Chapter Ten of Household Puzzles by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: Light Without Logic. Tom did not appear at breakfast the next morning. Grace had seen him go down Chauncey Street quite early. My window overlooks Chauncey Street, you know," she said in explanation to her father. "What can take him to that part of the town? I wonder," Mister Randolph said and in Maria's heart there was a vague unrest. "'What can take him anywhere at this hour of the day?' Helen said. "'Tom isn't given to early morning walks.' He came in just before Mr. Randolph was ready to leave, a little flushed, with a sort of triumph in his eyes that Maria did not understand, and did not like. "'What will happen next, I wonder?' I am prepared for anything now that you have taken to early rising. This was Helen's greeting. Perhaps the next wonder will be that you will take to doing something useful. He said it good-naturedly enough, but with the usual undertone of sarcasm. I have at least. Father, I have secured a situation at last. Mr. Randolph's eyes brightened. Have you? he said heartily. That is very cheering in these depressing times. What have you found? I heard last evening that there was a vacancy in Harder and Wicks's store, and I rushed after it this morning the first thing. There were several ahead of me, but I proved to be the favored one. He addressed his father, but his dancing, wicked eyes were fixed on Maria's face. The information he gave was variously received. Helen exclaimed in dismay or disgust, it was impossible to tell which. Ermina laughed. Grace looked distressed, while Maria, with cheeks flaming and eyes that had filled with angry tears, looked only on her plate and was utterly silent. Mr. Randolph's voice was full of distress. "'Thompson, how could you do anything so rash? Times are hard enough, but we are not in actual need, and if we were we would rather all starve together than have you descend to this.' and father an officer in the state temperance society ermina said laughing it's an absolute disgrace helen said with flashing eyes i don't know tom said composedly breaking his egg is it much worse to sell the stuff than it is to drink it there's your friend horace monroe patronizes the establishment he was even out this morning now if he drinks wine somebody must sell it to him and why not I as well as any other? Father, I couldn't help it. I had to do something. You know how hard I have tried to secure something decent to do. Everything failed me, and I was goaded on, partly by my own conscience, and partly by the consciences of other people. Even at this Maria did not raise her head. I would rather have lived on bread and water, Mr. Randolph said pitifully. Now that's especially hard on a fellow, isn't it? Especially when he has done the best that he could. It must be an honest, respectable business, or the law wouldn't permit it, and respectable Christian people wouldn't vote for it, nor patronize it. Things are mixed, father, I'm willing to admit that. I don't vote for it, nor patronize it, Mr. Randolph said firmly. I know it, sir, Tom said, and his voice was almost tender. I know that very well, and if there were more men like you, it wouldn't be voted for, and there would be no chance for me to sell it. 
but you see men are not modelled after your pattern dr evans votes for it you know and mr wheeler and mr harris and a host of others too numerous to mention every one of them members of your own church to say nothing of the large company who have it in their cellars and closets and medicine cases don't you see things are horribly mixed the sentence commenced in respectful tenderness ended in good-natured mockery but mr randolph's face retained the pained grieved look as he answered you and i thompson have nothing to do with any one but you and me in this matter god doesn't require us to keep the consciences of other men and i would rather live all my life on bread and water than to have my son sell rum and mr randolph went with slow and feeble step from the room it is too bad ermina said indignantly father has quite enough to bear without this i think as much this from helen tom if you have no self-respect left nor a particle of regard for your sisters one would have supposed that you might have remembered your father i did remember him lady helen and therefore concluded to relieve him of my support that is considerate certainly at least you ought to think so for the times that you have hinted something of the sort to me cannot be numbered how long this interesting conversation would have continued had there been no interruption it is impossible to say fortunately the doorbell summoned both helen and ermina to a conference in the hall and the family party broke up tom lingered in the dining-room while maria cleared the table he drummed thoughtfully on the window-pane and wished his solemn-faced sister would speak he had told the truth at the breakfast-table but not the whole truth the situation was his provided he chose to accept it pecuniarily the offer was a tempting one messrs harter and wicks had been liberal and persuasive mr randolph senior had been all his life an earnest temperance man in his prosperous days he had been a very influential one to secure his son as clerk in an establishment whose main business was selling liquor would be a delightful triumph over the temperance movement but tom randolph though by no means a temperance man from principle still hated the business of rum selling with a cordial hatred and was by no means decided even in his desperate state to accept the only position offered him maria's words had jarred on his nature all the more perhaps because originally his lack of employment was his own fault months before this he might have secured respectable places and many a parley did he hold with his pride over them but latterly when pride was utterly vanquished by the need that he saw pressed sorely every avenue had seemed closed it was hard he said to himself that a fellow must be witted with laziness when he stood ready to pick stones for a living if only he could find any to pick he left out of consideration the fact that no one but himself knew that he had made any attempt at stone-picking and so he nursed his wrath until messrs harder and wicks's place of business had seemed a sweet revenge still he had left himself an hour in which to escape if i am not here by nine o'clock he had said to mr harder you may understand that i have changed my mind it wanted fifteen minutes to nine his mind was almost changed he had not remembered that besides shocking the girls which he rather enjoyed he would also shock his father 
That was another thing. It won't pay, I guess, he said to himself, thinking of his father's worn, troubled face. I'll take another look. If only that solemn-faced Maria would say something. Why couldn't she have known what an influence her sayings had over this brother of hers? You don't congratulate me on my success, he said at last, resolved to make her speak, which, however, she didn't do. Maria rattled the knives and dropped a teaspoon, but she kept her tongue entirely still. I should think you might be more agreeable to a fellow after I've taken your latest advice and found something to do at all hazards. Can't you even wish me success as a salesman? I have nothing whatever to say, Maria said at last, and she said it with dignity. If I cannot speak a word to you about finding employment, when you know as well as I do the need for it, and when you asked me for my opinion, without your getting angry and doing something directly to disgrace the entire family, why, the more I keep my opinions to myself, the better it will be for you, and I intend to do it after this. All right, Tom said, and he seized his hat and rushed off to Messrs. Harder and Wicks's place of business. It was five minutes of nine. I'll do it, he said to himself on the way. They're all crossed together. It's impossible to please them, and I may as well not try. I'll earn some money anyway. As for Maria, she cried during the greater part of the morning, making her nose red and swollen, and she forgot to put the soda in her bread, so the family ate sour bread for three days. But all this did not keep her brother from selling whiskey at the corner store, and she might have done it. Maria Randolph had made two mistakes. She thought that what she saw in a person's life was all that there was to see, and reasoned accordingly. Also, she knew nothing of the practical working of that grand old whatsoever, therefore she worked without it. Put yourself in his place, a writer has chosen for a title, and no doubt he thinks it a strikingly original idea. Maria Randolph has never read the book, and I trust she never will. To my mind she is much better off without it. But both she and the aforesaid author must have heard of the wonderful words, Whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. All this happened on a Saturday. On Sabbath Tom wandered listlessly from room to room. Maria was still on her dignity, and the only conversation Tom attempted with her was to wish that the saloon was kept open on Sunday, to which she made no answer. His wanderings finally took him to the back kitchen, where Peter Armstrong had the privilege of sitting of a Sabbath afternoon. "'Well,' he said, halting before that young man, "'how's Peter Bible? I see you have his life there. I haven't heard anything about him for some time.' Have you discovered what the fellow's other name is? No, Peter said. I haven't thought anything about that since. I found him, though, again. There's a spell where nothing is said about him, and I was most afraid that he had stopped following, but they speak of him again just as though he had been on hand most of the time, and I guess he was. What is he up to? Tom asked, taking his favorite seat on the wood box. He's been having company. Peter said meditatively. Company? And Tom's tones were derisive. I didn't know he was given to that sort of thing. 
seems to me it was rather frivolous in him just like people nowadays it depends some on the company you happen to have i reckon tom laughed oh well as to that peter wasn't aristocratic in those days i fancy i presume he had those brother fishermen to dinner very likely he gave them a clam bake though i suppose that isn't mentioned in the bible is it no peter said gravely but the company is by name who were they jesus christ peter spoke the name slowly and reverently the effect on tom was curious he started from the wood-box with a half-shocked face and stared in silence at his companion for a full minute before his surprise found vent in words you are certainly a queer chap he said at length i wonder if it is superior innocence or unusual depth that is at the bottom of it all what are you talking about peter asked the question with an air of unmistakable innocence where did you get that queer way of talking about things of this sort as though they happened yesterday or last week and as if the people were acquaintances of yours what's the difference when things happened if they truly happened questioned peter with puzzled face and as for being acquainted why i am acquainted with jesus christ you know you can't think how nice it is to think that he went to peter's house visiting it speaks of it as though it was just a common enough thing to do and when jesus was come into peter's house it says just as though he often went maybe i like it ever so much it makes you remember that he truly was a man you know a fellow thinks queer things sometimes when you come out i sat here thinking that he maybe goes visiting sometimes in heaven they have houses there you know and perhaps he will actually come to my house in heaven some day why not what's the use of laughing at a fellow it may be so i tell you anyhow it doesn't matter whether it is or not because he comes down into our hearts now and stays if we want him i'd like to see some heart where he stayed tom stopped laughing and spoke almost bitterly it strikes me they must be different kinds of hearts from any that i know how much of that do you honestly believe my boy if the spirit of jesus christ actually looks after people nowadays why don't he come and look after me maybe he don't like the company you keep peter spoke gravely enough but his words set tom into another laugh there's another of your odd notions he said where do you get them it isn't my notion at all mr gordon said so in his sermon this morning didn't you hear him can't say that i did well you couldn't have been listening then for he said it and i thought of you down there in that saloon and what kind of company you had gone to keeping he doesn't like that you may depend for some reason that was mysterious to himself the boy's simple words irritated tom randolph see here he said sharply since you have studied my case so thoroughly perhaps you can tell me why i wasn't better looked after and employment found for me that was respectable if this is not perhaps you didn't ask him to help tom's good humor returned he seemed amused at the childishness of the reply oh that's it he said carelessly it's a queer kind of reason isn't it if he cares anything about me why doesn't he see that i go straight and keep the right sort of company whether i ask his help or not how is that 
Peter's answer was ready. I don't know, he said simply. I've thought about that myself, and wondered why he didn't. There must be a good reason for it, or he wouldn't have fixed it so. He just chooses that we should ask for his help if we want it, and that's all fair and square enough as far as I can see. If we don't want a thing bad enough to ask for it, after it's been promised for the asking, why, don't that go to show that we can't be awful anxious to have it at all? As to why he fixed it that way, I'm sure I don't know, and it don't make no kind of difference whether I know the why of a thing or not, if I know the thing itself. Tom Randolph was puzzled. How was he going to answer this simple boy's simple, I don't know? This wasn't logic or argument, and yet it was unanswerable, sure enough. Who did know? God had a right, certainly, to do as he pleased. Very likely he had reasons for his plans. There used to be a great deal to be said on this subject when the boys in college discussed theology, but before Peter Armstrong's ignorance, discussion fled away and left the college boy speechless. End of chapter 10